You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we have the Utes lay the smackdown on the USC Trojans. We're looking ahead to the UCLA Bruins, and we're joined by former great wide receiver Kenneth Scott. I'm Cameron, and we got Scott. How we doing? And we don't have Ryan with us. How we doing, Ute Nation? Ryan got a better offer than Scott and I. Yeah, Ryan is missing out. Of all the weeks you're going to miss a podcast, I missed the Washington game, uh, the Washington podcast, uh, not a big deal. This is the best game of the year. The best game. Man, I mean, that was that was just, that was a dream. Saturday night at Rice Eccles. What an absolute environment that was. The, the fans were crazy. Um, and the team just laid it on USC. Um, a rough start. Not the start any of us were anticipating. Man, how impressed I was with how they bounced back and how quickly they bounced back. They erased that lead pretty quick and didn't look back. So before we get into the game, we'll let you know that this episode is brought to you by Lyft. Now, Lyft is rapidly becoming the go-to choice for Utahns needed in a safe and convenient way of getting where they need to go. I actually use Lyft today. Now, because of the popularity, Lyft is in need of drivers. Not only if you're driving for Lyft, can you make more than $1,000 a week? Lyft is actually giving our listeners a bonus of $300 when they sign up using our exclusive code, UtahManPod. That's UtahManPod, P-O-D. Signing up only takes a few minutes. Just download the Lyft driver app. Put in the code UtahManPod and you're ready to drive. If you're looking for an easy and flexible way to make some extra cash, driving for Lyft is the way to go. Sign up today and don't forget to use our code UtahManPod to collect your bonus. So Scott, you bring up the beginning of the game. Utah falls, like what you said, 14-0. to Oh, that was an awful start. And, and honestly, Utah has had a, an offense in years past where if you get down early, it's hard for them to battle back. And you spot USC 14 to start the game, and you come back and win the game. Holy crap, has this offense turned a corner. Well, I mean, not only did you win the game, but it wasn't even close. I mean, that's a recipe for absolute disaster for any Utah team really in this last decade. You get down 14 points that early. With that type of momentum swing going towards USC, those are the types of mistakes typically you can't make against a USC team. And especially at home where there was so much juice in that stadium to start the game, and it was just gone, you know, a dumb play. We were unable to to finish the sack on JT Daniels. Throws it up. Should have been a pick by two of our guys. Pick which one could have had it. Um, ends up going for a touchdown, and then you know later uh, Huntley scrambles, loses the ball, and all of a sudden fourteen nothing. But how they bounced back was what was so impressive because they did it immediately. They didn't. They didn't hang their heads they didn't just uh you know go into a shell 
they came out firing and they got themselves right back into the game, got the stadium going again. It was it was awesome to watch. USC goes up 14 nothing. Less than 50 seconds later, three plays. Burton Covey breaks off for a 46-yard pass from Tyler Huntley uh, to kind of get that momentum back onto Utah Utah's side, and Utah never looked back after that. Tyler Huntley had a phenomenal game. Brilliant. And Winningham said it was probably one of his best games he's ever had. He went 22 of 29 for 341 yards and four touchdowns. He, he was phenomenal. His decision-making outside of that fumble, obviously he just lost, lost, lost the grip on that one. But outside of that, he was, he, he was uh, amazing with what he did in the, in the pocket especially. There were countless times he should have taken sacks. But uh, his ability to escape the rush, a couple of times I'm screaming, throw the ball away, throw the ball away. But at the same time, instead of throwing the ball away, he's, he, he finds opportunities to make plays. And he did that countless times because the offensive line was not real stellar to start that game. They, they were getting no push offensively. Obviously, we saw that around midfield um, going for it on fourth and one. And we did not even come close to, to getting that yard. There was just there was not much push. There was not even great protection early on from that offensive line, but it didn't take long to get them to get them going. And once they got into a rhythm, they owned the rest of that game along with the defensive line. And uh, it was pretty it was pretty fun to watch a Utah team absolutely own both line of scrimmages against a USC team. Well, and I think it kind of goes back to something you and I talked about, I think, on the last episode. Uh, what would Utah do if a team was able to take away the running game? Now, the running game for Utah, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't the running game that we've seen the last couple games, in my opinion. You know, Moss had 25 carries for 136 yards. It, it decent numbers, but it kind of I think for me it kind of took him a, a throughout the game to kind of get that number up, and I think credit to USC, and here comes Tyler Huntley delivering his best game, and I think this is something that we've been wanting to see at this offense is what can they do when the run isn't quite there, and also kind of the you know how Troy Taylor is evolving as a play caller, obviously. USC was they they were attempting to stop their run and they did they did a decent job early on like I said as far as controlling the line of scrimmage but it didn't last all that long. I mean, oh no, I mean, and, and I didn't mean to say Moss had a bad game at all. I didn't mean that at all. I no, I no, just no. meant that at at the beginning of the game, the first quarter and a half, it, it took a, it took a minute for Utah to kind of get that run game going. Yeah. So it, sorry if I if, no 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 if no. I misspoke. Yeah, they there. they were definitely slow slow coming out of the gate for sure. But once they got going, it wasn't even it wasn't even a contest anymore. Um, I mean, they just they dominated that. As far as I mean, we did talk about that last week. What what happens when a team shuts down your ability to run? You're then asking Tyler to throw the ball 30, 35, 40 times a game, which we know that hasn't been our strength as an offense. But the problem is, is there going to be a team left on the schedule that can shut down this run? At least shut it down over four quarters, not just, not just here and there, because... 
that's really going to be, I think, what, what could stop this team is if you can really get Utah out of out of their game. Because Utah's game, we've seen this over this last th- three-game stretch. We want to run the ball, and we want to play action off that run. We are extremely effective when we can do that. Clay Helton said specifically they let a huge opportunity go when they were up 14 nothing because they allowed Utah to get back into the game, and that allowed Utah to stay with their game plan of running the ball and not just abandon it to try and throw it to get back into a game late. And I think that's the key. If we can continue just to enforce our will and play our game, regardless of what the defense is doing, the way we're rolling right now, I'm not sure there's many teams left on this schedule that are going to be able to stop what we're doing. And um, that's going to be the key moving forward. But you look at it, Tyler Huntley is is absolutely an assassin at the moment throwing the ball. Over the last three games, Tyler Huntley has attempted uh, 29 pass attempts against USC, 19 against Arizona, and 21 against Stanford. So over these last three games, he is averaging 23 pass attempts. Nothing, nothing over the top. That is perfect. We are, but yet we're averaging 46 rush attempts over those last three games. That's a pretty, pretty decent disparity, rush versus versus pass. But that is the key to what is making this offense be so effective because we are so good at running the ball, and because of how effective we are at running the ball, the passing game has just elevated to a point that we're just not used to. We're scratching our eyes going, what are we watching? Because this is not a Utah offense. We've become accustomed to watching. And they are so efficient and they are so effective in what they're doing right now that nobody's really stopping them. Well, and it kind of goes back to what you said earlier, playing the passing game off the running game, whether it's play action, the RPO. And I think that's something that we've kind of been harping on on Troy Taylor for a while now, right? Because it would be... We'll get the run going. Things are going well. Oh, we have to throw in a pass. And it, or it, throw in eight passes in a and row. And nothing looked in rhythm or in sync and really awkward at times. And credit to Troy Taylor. He's really, the last couple games, have has called a great game, calling pass plays that play to the strength. The strength is the running game. Well, and 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 what I like specifically about it is we're still we're taking shots, we're taking shots in 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 good moments where where the offense is being so effective that when being that aggressive on first or second down in years past that could set us back. You throw the deep ball on first and ten, you don't you don't complete it. You got two two plays to get ten yards. In the past, that's been difficult. Whereas now. You take you take that shot. A lot of times we're hitting that shot at the moment on first down or even on second down. And if we're not, the offense is still moving the ball so effectively that uh, they can make up for some of those chances that they take. But with how this offense is moving right now, you match it up with what our defense is doing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's silly. And we'll get to the defense in just a moment. I do want to talk about uh, the Utah wide receivers, and it's something I want to ask uh, Kenneth Scott about. But really, this wide receiving group is growing each and every week. And this is the wide receivers that we saw in spring camp and fall camp that are really making plays out there. 
even plays that aren't finishing completions, and I put this play out on, on Twitter, and you can follow me at Utah Man Podcast. But Brent Keithy ran the perfect wheel route, and having Damari Simpkins come off the off the line, run a pick play, but not you know not cause contact, open up that lane for Keithy. It was beautiful, and it didn't re- it didn't result in a completion. I understand that. Well, not that one, not that one specifically, but he had plenty others throughout the night on that same kind of wheel route. But it seems like everyone on this wide receiving core is starting to really elevate their game. It's not just the Britton Covey show anymore. No, because really, that's all that was the first couple weeks with the wide receivers. It was we just have to throw to Covey. That's all we can do. Yeah, and 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 that's how it was, and and. That's partly why we were ineffective, just having a one guy be your go-to guy that can, can actually make plays. I mean, Simpkins, we were, I, I specifically was pretty critical of him early on the season coming off fall camp where he declares himself the best uh, wide receiver in the Pac-12 and in the country. And he kind of just laid some eggs early on. And there was a lot of negativity towards him, towards the entire wide receiving core in general. But they have shut myself up and everybody else with their play as of late because Simpkins is showing the type of wide receiver we expected him to be. I mean, that that bullet that he caught from Huntley for the touchdown. Phenomenal. I mean, that, that was a fastball. Yeah. That was that was the heater. And, uh, I mean, great hands. I mean, he, he he's starting to come into his own, and then he's starting to do that game after game. So we're seeing the consistency from him. Nakua's coming along. Uh, you just mentioned Keithy. Keithy's got speed that I don't think USC was ready for because he got behind that defense almost every every time. And, and that's, a, that's a great point because I think really these skill positions that Utah has been trying to recruit for for several years now in the in the Pac-12, we're starting to see that we have USC speed on the outside. Oh, we out, and this, we out USC'd on Saturday. And this game was... was Complete evidence of that. Jalen Dixon, you know, he had two receptions Wait, who, for fifty-six yards. Who would have thought Jalen Dixon at what is he five feet nine <laughs> would be our deep threat? But the dude, the dude can run. The, he gets separation and he catches it. Uh, Solomon Enos on his touchdown pass really was just a go route. Beat his guy right off the line. Uh, created separation as as a true freshman. How how do you teach that to a true freshman? That's just pure talent, pure football instincts, high football IQ. That's four stars for you right there. And and really, that's why I think I was excited. I I think why the stadium was so excited, because not only are you beating down USC, a blue chip program, you're doing it with this offense, and you're doing it with guys that are matching and probably even a little bit better than USC speed. Well, I mean... There was a couple, I mean, Pittman, um, Carr, they've got uh, St. Brown, who granted, uh, he was Ofer in the game, huge recruit, um, and, and he'll turn into something pretty good. But USC has some pretty, pretty dynamic wide receivers. But, here's the but. Offensively, Utah outshined them. They were the better team. You, you, we kind of expect defensively that we're going to be the better team pretty much week in and week out. It's just what Utah's built upon. We've seen it for how many years now. So it doesn't surprise us when we're the best defense in the game. It does surprise us when we're the better offense in any game because we just have become, we, we haven't been used to it. But you, you match this again. We've been, we've been, 
begging for this. We've been begging for just a, a decent offense. We're we're well beyond a decent offense at this point. You match this type of offense with this type of defense. That that's how you finish a season winning out. Is you have both sides of the ball playing this well. You know, special teams was not the best special teams effort um, on Saturday, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit uh, a little bit later. But overall, how impressive! What what a game! What an environment! Congratulations, Ute fans, Utah football program. That was a show Saturday. And, and just kind of you know wrap up this offensive talk real quick. Do you think that what they've done the last three weeks is it sustainable? Well, that's the, the key. Rest of the I mean, season. that that's the key. That's the question. I'll admit, I kind of have my doubts. Well, I, I, I think I, we've been burned so many times well, as Utah fans. We're, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's been a well three three and a half game stretch that the offense has been pretty darn productive. We're just not used to seeing that type of offense at Utah. I think it goes without saying. To an extent, yeah, we're all a little we're all a little gun shy in in celebrating a little too early. Um, but, but I'm, but I think there, there's something different than what we're seeing in stretches that we, even when we've had stretches in the past, past seasons where we've looked good for two, maybe even three games in a row, it hasn't been this type of success and it hasn't been this dominant. I mean, we, we wiped the floor with Stanford. We toyed with Arizona for two quarters and then put, put backups in. And absolutely dominated a USC team who were, they were playing for their lives just like we were because they knew how important that game in the South was. This was a huge game. Clay Helton admitted so, um, how important that game was in the post game presser. So they were not overlooking Utah, but we absolutely annihilated them. And we still, we were still at times throwing up all over ourselves. With in the special teams and giving them opportunities, we handed out of their twenty-eight points, we handed them twenty-one, and uh, you know, so you, you you clean some of those types of things up. I mean, this could have been a forty-plus point win had we just cleaned a few more things up. So it was not close. That's and that type of domination is what gives me a little bit of peace and a little <laughs> bit of optimism that yes we can continue to see this throughout the rest of the season will we that's i mean that's gonna be the question um but uh, it's trending in that direction and that's kind of like what we have with ryan sometimes he's here sometimes he's not sometimes he's on the fence other times he's back on the fence so the utah defense all i have to say right now to start off the defense is clay helton and usc's oc t martin they need to learn how to play against a cover two because that's all they complained about in the post game stuff. Is, we, were, we weren't expecting Utah, Utah went to cover two. <laughs> that's not what was on film. <laughs> we weren't. That's not allowed. But great adjustments by Morgan Scally and Kyle Winningham and Gary Anderson to really set the defense up for success. JT Daniels went six of sixteen. Just took away. The, their throwing he was, game. He was completely. completely ineffective. I mean, he ended up with a QBR of five. Yeah, f- uh, five. I mean, Sorry, five point four. We'll we'll give him the point four. Give there. him the point four. You know, but the concussion takes it back down to five. Even so, um, you know, he probably doesn't even know what a QBR means at the moment. But 
absolutely dominated. I mean, he he did not look he did not look effective really at any point. I kept thinking, okay, he's going to get into momentum, uh, get into a rhythm, and uh, and we'll see how well our our DBs kind of handle this. He never got into a rhythm ever. No, he the run, D line was living in his face, running for his life the entire game. Well, and 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 but Utah schematically the cover two, the type of blitzes that they that they used, they did a good job of of kind of hiding what they were doing pre snap, and you could tell he gets back in the pocket. He was very unsure of himself um, throughout that game as far as where he wanted to go with the ball, and then when he did decide where he wanted to go, his passes were not accurate. No, and 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 really, playing a cover two kind of opens you up to the offense running on you, right? That that's the one thing that worries about you playing that zone defense. You don't have the man up there to to, to play against the run game. Utah's D line dominated. Didn't need it. That I, that's why they were able just to sit back and make. JT Daniels try to pick you apart. No, I mean I can't say enough about this defensive line at the moment. I mean, what a nigh Panasini, um, Fotu, Fotu, Fotu was wrecking dudes all night long. Um, and and somebody who we've got to recognize who has really come out of nowhere is Max Tupai because he is he is turning into instantly. The star of that defensive line, it, it, like a light bulb, just switched in his head. It seemed like last game, but 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 it isn't like he went from unknown to oh he's he's making a play. No, he's always had this potential, right? And well, he was a big time recruit. But but, it, but it, we're not calling. He's not. His name isn't being called once or twice, and we're just starting to recognize he's making an impact. He is all over the field. There was a play. USC ran the ball. He started to rush up up the field. And he recognized that he had contained, and I was watching him specifically on this play. And for a young guy who doesn't have a ton of experience, he did exactly what he had to do. He he jumped to force the running back inside, and Cody Barton cleaned him up. If he was able to get around uh, Tupai on that edge, there was there was space for days. But he did. That's a little thing. That's not something that is going to get fanfare or is going to get all this recognition. But that's what a good defensive line does. They do their job so that other guys can come clean up and and get the job done. I mean, the hit that he put on Matt Fink that broke like three ribs. I don't believe it. There's got to be at least a baker's <laughs> dozen in there that were broken. Man, that hit. He launched him five yards. Yeah. He gave him huge. the he gave him the first down. If you watch the replay, where he hits him, he's like three yards behind the line of scrimmage. He he landed two yards beyond the first down. I mean, it was it was it was an absolute uh, show that that uh, defensive line put on. Cody Barton is an absolute stud, and Chase Hansen is just all American. He better win Defensive Player of the Year in the Pac-12. Well, let's 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 pump the brakes on that. We know how this conference <laughs> rolls when it comes to uh, postseason awards. But is he deserving of it? Oh, you betcha. And what? And if he can continue to do what the what he's doing, then he may just make it undeniable that he he's the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. But how exciting is it that this podcast we just are wearing our pom poms and going <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. But there's no, there's not a whole lot to be negative about at the moment with this team. 
I mean, defensively, offensively, they they are hitting on all cylinders. So, Scott, you said there's not a lot to be concerned about. Not a lot to be concerned about offensively or defensively. Uh, I'm a little concerned defensively. Okay, what do you, what do you got? Matt Fink came in and put a very impressive drive. I know it was one drive, but I mean, he six of seven through the air. He throws the touchdown pass. So we've seen this defense be a little suspect against the throw game of uh, of other teams and, and quarterbacks outside of JT Daniels being able to go through the air on this Utah defense. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was our concern coming in, was was their ability to throw the long ball and connect on it fairly regularly and have those big chunk plays that just kill you. They had one. Well, I should say they had two. They had two. Obviously, the, the early touchdown where he just threw it up and and uh, and Pittman came down with it, and they had a, they had another long throw. Uh, I believe it was in the second quarter. But outside of that, they didn't do much of that defensively. I thought uh, I thought our corners looked really good. I thought uh, I thought the safeties looked really good. Um, but but part of that is how well the defensive line was playing. Is there wasn't a ton of pressure put on these corners because. Those throws were not there. But, playing devil's advocate here, those throws started to become there when Fink got in. Okay, but at that point, how long, what was the time of possession on that drive? I I couldn't tell you. I'll tell you. Five minutes and 50 seconds. USC did us a favor. I don't, sure, do we want to keep them out of the end zone? Yes. But they wasted five, I believe they took that last possession I think there was eight minutes left on the clock when when they uh, started with that possession. They wasted five minutes and 50 seconds on that scoring drive. At that point, who cares? Let them score. They just killed themselves with the opportunity to get back in the game because they took so long. And and partly why they took so long is we were not going to get beat deep. Utah was playing a little soft and they were they were they were letting guys come off. It it was not real effective. But at that point in the game, with with that much time left on the clock and a three score lead, it doesn't really matter. You you can give up a score no, as I, long I, as you waste the time. I get that, and I know you know there were some backups in the game during that time. But at, at the end of the day, it yes, it doesn't matter. But it, it just kind of shows that this defense can be suspect to the. To the passing. That's that's all I was saying. Well, yeah. I mean, by all means, they're and obviously they not, they played a great game. It was nearly perfect um, by the defense. But if I'm game planning against Utah, that's where you got to go. Is you got to throw against them because you can't run against them. No, and 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 pretty soon, you know, I would think UCLA is going to see that and realize, especially if they're going with a backup quarterback, it'll be really interesting to see whether it's Spates, whether it's uh, Dorian Thompson, Robinson the third, sixth, seventh, or eighth. <laughs> I mean, that'll be a factor, obviously, but pretty soon some of these teams are going to realize, okay, are we just wasting time trying to run on these guys? And they're going to, they're going to throw it and they're probably going to throw it coming out of the gates. I kept, I kept thinking USC was just going to abandon the run altogether, but they were, they were being pretty prideful. They were not giving in regardless of how ineffective they were being. Um, so yeah, you're going to see teams that are going to test Utah's depth. They're going to test that secondary. But I mean, right now is, is the secondary perfect? No, 
but we are ranked seventh in total defense in the country, only giving up 286 yards a game. Right now, we're number one in the country in rush defense at 74 yards a game. So even though the secondary isn't as strong as the rush defense, it's still pretty pretty darn good. It's 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 elite still. And uh, teams are teams are going to get some on you and uh, but, but I don't think they're going to get enough on us like Washington State did. Yeah, I mean I'll, I'll agree I'll agree to those points. Another area of concern, you brought it up, special teams. A blocked punt. And we a, and a we mu- still a muffed punt. We still won Pac-12 special teams <laughs> player of the week. Not only was that, did they get a, a, a punt blocked on Wisnowski? Um, almost had two. But almost had two. But even, I mean, they're getting pretty close all game on that. Any concern moving forward uh, with that, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's obviously re- reason to have concern if, if people have success, um, you know. I'll tell you what, UCLA is going to see the tape. They're going to see how UCLA or how USC attacked um, our punts. They're going to see some uh, some deficiencies, and they're going to try and, and exploit those. But at the same time, Utah's going to watch that same tape, and they're going to make some changes, and they're going to they're going to shore some things up. I mean, that's Mitch Wisnowski's first punt that's ever been blocked in his career. So I don't anticipate you're going to see that probably again and part of that was due to the snap um Whittingham did say the snap was off offline required Wisnowski to move to his right so then he was trying to get back to where he should be kicking it from and he couldn't and uh, that extra foot is the difference in whether a punt is blocked or not and so you know some little things add up but uh i i'm not overly concerned i guess if we see that next game or if 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 we see these same type of mistakes happen over the next couple then we've got some reason to be concerned but uh, i i would suspect that we get these cleaned up and uh covey he probably just either on that one should have just let it let it bounce um it was a pretty good punt and and it caused covey to retreat quite a quite a number of yards and uh, kind of lost his bearings a little bit, bounced off his hands. But again, he makes that mistake. What happens? Utah forces them deep in our own territory for an out. Get the ball back. No points up on the board. That that's a team. That is a team right there. Offense makes or excuse me, special teams make some mistakes and defense says we got you. Didn't let any points up on the board because had we given up seven, still third quarter, still plenty of time left in that game. Maybe UCL or USC gets a little momentum. Maybe uh, maybe things change a little bit. But that was that was the key, I think, in that game was getting that stop and just just smothering out any momentum that they were after. All right, so I think that will do it for our thoughts on the game. It does look like we have Kenneth Scott on the phone. Scott. And before we bring him on, we'll let you know that that interview is going to be brought to you by Scott Omer with Farmers Insurance. For protecting your home, vehicle, and family, look to Farmers Insurance. And you can contact him on Twitter at Scott underscore Omer 8. And you can always call him at 801-307-4046. All right, so joining us on the phone now, the former great wide receiver, Kenneth Scott. K. Scott, how you doing tonight, buddy? Doing good, doing good. You guys uh, kind of hyped me up right there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, 
sending some good accolades, man. Make me feel good. But I'm doing great, man. Can't complain. <laughs> now you're a, you're a Ute legend. Come on, we got to call for what it is. <laughs> I appreciate you guys, man. Definitely, thank you. <laughs> So far this season, I think the wide receivers have kind of come up and down. There was a lot of drop balls at the beginning of the season. As you've watched this wide receiver core come together the last few games, uh, what are you liking about about the wide receivers, and are, are there any guys that are standing out to you? Uh, what I like uh, about them is that they got their swagger back. I feel like they got their swagger back. You know, these last couple games have been going really well. I think they got the swagger back. Um you know, I think I'm, I'm, I don't want to point out any individuals. I think as a collective group, you know, they're doing pretty well um, thus far. I think they're doing uh, like early on. You see Masua catching passes, breaking tackles, you know, doing well. Damari making nice touchdown grabs. Um, I love Ennis when he had that touchdown grab that he had in the end zone. That was awesome. You know, what I love about it is seeing everybody included in the passing game, you know, the tight ends getting love, running backs, you know, there's a lot of people touching the ball. Um, and that's great to see. And so um, it's hard to point out any individual because right now a lot of people are touching the ball and doing some great things with it. You just mentioned the the wide receiver, and really, I mean, you could even you could even say this entire offense has that swagger back. As a former player, mm-hmm. you you've been on the field. You've you've gone through a, you know a period of time where maybe the team offensively has lulls, and then a time where they're just rolling. What switch takes place? What happens for a team to get its swagger? Uh, I just think. Uh... Just as far as the execution goes, that plays a big part because that brings confidence. Um, and when execution is right, you know, play calling starts to open up a little bit more. Uh, guys start getting the ball, you know, and things like that. Um, it stops being one dimensional. Um, so I think that kind of plays a lot into it. Um, and so that's what we're seeing now. Uh, a lot of people are settling in, um, not really taking too much of pressure right now. You know, they're just out there having fun. Um, and you can see it, man. They, they're out there really um, showcasing their skills because they're having fun out there and have that confidence to swagger back. And that was really good to see. I mean, you mentioned these last three games, the offense is really just taking it up to another level. They've, they've really kind of found what works for them with their personnel, which right now is a little heavy on the run side, not as many pass attempts, but it's working effectively. From a wide receiver's perspective, with fewer attempts, what is that mindset? What, if a wide receiver goes into a game knowing, you know, there's only going to be maybe 20, 25 pass attempts, what do I got to do to take, take advantage of my opportunity here? Man, you just got to focus in on it, man, because every opportunity is precious, literally, because that may be your last ball of the night. <laughs> um, so, you know, you know, when the opportunity comes, you just got to seize it, um, you know, take you know, take it by the reins and, you know, pull it in. And uh, and so I think they've they done that. You know, I, I was really impressed by Dixon. Uh, he made, a, he made a, a really big play, you know. And so, like, you know, it's just when that opportunity comes, man, you just got to make the most of it because if you don't make it, then that may be your last one for a couple games. Kenneth, the last couple of games we've really seen, uh, you know, the throw game, as, as Kyle Winningham likes to call it, really take strides. Tyler Huntley really dialing in with his wide receivers. How do quarterbacks and wide receivers kind of gain that, that kind of, 
relationship off the field that translates onto the field? And, and how important is that for that relationship between the quarterback and wide receivers? Oh, it's really important. Um, you gotta, as a receiver, your quarterback has to be a best friend, man. You gotta, you guys gotta be like twins where you think in the same way on the same page. You know what I mean? So the chemistry off the field definitely does play a part. Um, and so you just gotta, you know, just hang out, know the guy, um, and know what his mindset is, know what he's thinking. Um, that's about it because off the field stuff, you know, can translate on the field, good and bad. Um, so you just gotta make sure you're on it. So you over your career, you you played USC a number of times. How how much talking goes on on the field during the game between offense, defense, players in general? I mean, there's there was a number of comments from some USC players after the game calling the Utes just a regular team. You know, they didn't want to give much love to the Utes even after uh, that whooping, but. What's it like on a an intense kind of a, 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 a budding rivalry game between Utah and USC? What's it like on the field? You know, I love it. Um, you know, especially because we have a lot of California guys, um, and so you know, we love it going into like the Rose Bowl or the Coliseum or you know, playing their California schools. You know, we love it because you know, to me. <laughs> you know, USC players can be bougie at times, you know, um, <laughs> you know, cause there's this, they're this, you know, they, they, they're looked upon as these like, uh, you know, the, these superstars. And so, you know, uh, you know, we're uh, the way we programmed it in the, in our program, you know, tough, hard, those guys, you know, fundamentally and technically sound. And, uh, so when, when people play at us, you know, we're coming from an underdog perspective. You know, the other teams, they have that, you know, hype about them. And so they don't really have that grit like our program does that's instilled in us, you know, um, just based off, you know, how we were. Um, so I think that plays a big part of it. Um, so I think it kind of shows, you know, we just wanted it more out there to look like, you know, we're the more dominant team. When you come off a, a big win and, and kind of even emotional win, uh, getting a, a you know knocking off a big program like that a, as a team, and if you were coaching this Utah team, how do you keep the guys focused uh, as they go into you know a US a UCLA team that that maybe hasn't you know played their best ball this season? You know, the the main thing is you got to remember that we're in our driver we're in the driver's seat right now. In order for us to, you know, um, get to where we want to, what we want to do as far as like be the, them being the first, you know, to be in that Pac-12 championship game, you know, they got to keep focused, you know, because any given week, <laughs> you know, Pac-12 is crazy. Any given week, it don't matter. Like Oregon State can wind up surprising and beating like the Oregon or you know, just you just never know. So every week we got to come prepared. We got to keep our eyes on the prize and. Um, make sure that, you know, if they want to achieve what's never been done at Utah, you know, they got to keep their focus and not get too big at it. You fans love seeing uh, former players come back and embrace the program. Obviously, you know, last week was homecoming. You came back and a number of other uh, former Utes came back. What's it like? Obviously, the mantra within the program is family. Do you still feel that yeah. when you come back? Do you still feel a, a family type bond towards the staff to even the current players? Oh yeah, most definitely. You know, uh, you know, going there, you know, with my family, um, it was really cool. You know, 
because all the coaches, you know, were very, very welcoming. They treated like my family, like, you know, cause I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a church through the program, you know, coming in as a 17 year old and then coming back as a shoot almost a decade later. <laughs> um, and then having my own kid and, you know, these coaches, man, there's just something about them, man. They, they really treat you as family. When I came in, they opened the arms, kissing my baby, hugging my family, you know, it's just, and the players that I played with, even the players that I didn't play with, but they know me and know who I am because, you know, they were probably recruits at the time and seeing me play, you know, it's just they, they showed love. And that's what our program is about. You know, we show love to, to the people who were in the program before us, you know, like when I was, my time spent there, you know, I, I idolized guys, you know, um, you know, like Freddie Brown, you know, that's one person I looked up to. I remember Coach Rod, uh, when I was getting recruited by him, he was like, you're my Freddie Brown. And he told Drez, he's his David Reed, you know? <laughs> um, and so like, I really studied, you know, Freddie Brown, you know, I respected the guy, his game. And, you know, I really uh, wanted to, uh, you know, I looked up to Freddie Brown, everybody uh, called him a legend. I was like, man, if I want to be, you know, be talked about as a legend, like I had to beat Freddie Brown. You know what I mean? So I used to keep monitoring his stats and I'm like, okay, this is what I got to get my freshman year. This is what I got to get my sophomore year. So I got my junior year, you know, things like that. And so um, it's just, and it's cool to see like the, our, our program is built on that, like respecting uh, the ones who paved the way before us. And so, and that's what our program is all about. You know, Kenneth, that that's great to hear. And honestly, you know, when we've had former players back, uh, like your quarterback Jordan Wynn and Steve Tate, yep. you know, they've said you know very similar things to you, uh, or very similar things as you um, about that family atmosphere. So, I mean, it's great to hear that it's not a cliche; that it really is ingrained in the program. Uh, so, Utah is going uh, to UCLA this week. It's a short week. Mm-hmm. They're they're kicking off on Friday. As a player. How were those short weeks for you? Did you like them? Did you hate them? How and how did practices kind of work when you were in the program? Um, you know, practice on the same is just one day shorter. Um, so probably a little less load of a week um, as far as like heavy physical. Um, but we kind of liked it because you get straight to the game. I mean, of course, you don't have enough time to like get your body, you know, back up. But the coaches do a great job of you know, preparing your body because they know that we do have one less of a day to prepare and a less day of recovery. They look out for you as far as like making sure you get your rehab in and then the, and the weight, uh, the weight coaches and the strength coaches, you know, they, they do a great job of rehabbing you while, you know, in the weight room and, and getting things back together. So, you know, um, short weeks, we loved it. We hated the long bye week because it took forever. And it's like, you get rusted. But uh, we have momentum. Um, so why not, you know, have this game like right, right now? Because, you know, we have the momentum. We have the confidence. We have the swagger. Um, so it, it came out a good time. So, Kenneth, Utah's going into UCLA. We're going to have to kind of put you on the spot here. How do you think the Utes kind of fare against the Bruins? And, and actually, and how do you see the Utes finishing out the rest of the season? To be honest with you, man, the, the way we looked last week against SC, I honestly, I think we have the talent. We have, we're hard-nosed. We're, I think we have it. Um, we just got to execute. That's the main thing, just executing. Um, of course, UCLA has athletes. We have athletes, too. I think we're hard-nosed, uh, you know, hard-nosed guys. 
so I think we'll fare pretty well against them. Uh, we have their numbers, you know, past years, and I think we'll get them again. So, Ken, why don't you kind of give Utah fans kind of an, an update uh, on kind of what you're up to nowadays? Um, I know you do. You have one daughter now, is that right? Yeah, I have one child. Yeah. So, what else are you, are you doing nowadays? Are are you living in Utah? Are you in Texas? What what are you up to? No, I'm living in Texas, Texas right now in Houston in the the great humidity. Um, you walk outside, <laughs> you're already sweating. Um, <laughs> I'm living out here. I'm fiance and uh, probably thinking about setting the date for the marriage. We don't know when, but <laughs> we're just taking it a day at a time. And then uh, have my daughter, who's about to be a year old next month, and she's walking and acting crazy, knocking things down on the floor. <laughs> and I have a crazy dog, so I have a, a one and a half right now. <laughs> so I have a, a baby and a half because the dog's like that. Um, but everything's going well, you know, just living that after football life and living a daddy life and working and you know, that's about it. You know, spending time with family, uh, you know, so everything is going well. I can't complain at all. Oh man, that's great to hear. Hey, where can people find you on social media? Oh, people can find me at K Scott underscore two at everywhere, like uh, Instagram and, uh, uh, Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty friendly guy. <laughs> Nobody should be scared to reach out to me or, you know, because I always communicate with people, but they can find me at Instagram or Twitter, K Scott underscore two. And so, yeah. Awesome. Hey, K Scott, thank you so much taking time away from your baby, your fiance. It really means a lot to us. We appreciate you and what you've done for the program, what you can do for the program still. And uh, we just appreciate you, buddy. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you guys. And thank you for having me on and th- even thinking about me. <laughs> Always, we'll we'll keep asking you to come on. We uh, we like the insight. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I'll definitely be ready for you. Awesome. Thanks, Kenneth. Have a good night, buddy. Oh, uh, you too. All right, bye. <laughs> Take care. Man, I love having former players on the show. I think that's one thing uh, that we're very fortunate to do is have these former players on and, and talk with us, get their insight. And K. Scott, honestly, is, is a fan favorite. I always love having him on. Yeah, no, he's he's a great interview, and he's a lot of fun. And he's just he's just a a real, well respected player um, from this fan base. You know, just gave it his all, represented the university extremely well when he was here. And uh, I think we all have pretty good memories of what he did during his time here. So glad to glad to kind of catch up with him a little bit and uh, and hope to do it again soon. So before we get in the the UCLA game, we want to let you know of a special offer going on with with Lyft. Do you need extra cash for the upcoming holidays, tuition, or just everyday expenses? You should consider driving for Lyft for a short time period. Lyft is offering an exclusive bonus of $300 to our listeners when they sign up to drive using the code UTAHMANPOD. That's UTAHMANPOD. Sign up is easy and fast, and honestly, it's a great way to earn that extra cash. You can earn up to $1,000 a week, plus throw in this $300 bonus. You're going to be set for the holidays as they come up. So Utah's traveling to Pasadena to take on the UCLA Bruins. UCLA, man, it's hard, I think, to get a gauge on them right now, right? They started the season 0-5. Chip Kelly comes in. They, they start a freshman quarterback. Now, they've won the la- their last two games. 
people are starting to take notice of him after two wins. Well, let's uh, let's pump the brakes here a little bit because those two wins came against an abysmal Cal and Arizona team. So yes, did they two, are they two wins, and is that a step in the right direction for UCLA? You bet. I don't think uh, they've turned the corner that many people are saying they have. I think they got a long way to go, and I think Utah's going to show them that come uh, come Friday night. So yes, Scott, UCLA beats Arizona this past week, thirty-one to thirty. They beat Cal the week prior, thirty-seven to seven. But really, their defense, uh, I think, had five turnovers that game. And I'm not saying that UCLA is back by any means, but I think they have shown improvement, and they have beaten the Arizona and the Cal teams that you would expect them to win. Yeah, and, and as bad as they were, I would hope they're showing some improvement because they were awful early on. And uh, and yeah, bad teams can still lose to a Cal and to a Washington team, or excuse me, a Cal and an Arizona team. So I think the fact that they were able to win those games and, and make the plays necessary, you know, they're definitely uh, heading in the right direction. But it isn't a game where I guess it could be somewhat of a tra- trap game. You just had an emotional win against USC, your rival. Wink, wink. Um, and you got a short week. You got to travel to to a UCLA team who really has nothing to lose. Um, they're kind of hitting somewhat of a stride themselves. So potentially it could be a trap game. And, and that is in the back of my mind a little bit. But I, I really think that this team is just this Utah team. I just don't see them letting UCLA hang around to make it a game. I see your point that this could be a trap game for all those reasons. The thing that I have gives me confidence in this team right now is that they still reference the losses that this team has had with Washington and Washington State. And that bad taste is still in their mouth. And that, I think that's the great thing about losing. Losing's never good unless you can build on that. And I think this team is still building on it. As they should. I mean, you, you kind of always want to have that chip on your shoulder. So if you're winning everything and everything is good, sometimes you can kind of rest on those laurels and start believing uh, the, the press clippings and, and for, kind of forget who you really are. So, you know, hopefully that's still fresh in their mind. But I think USC kind of did U- Utah a favor with well, some of the post-game comments that uh, USC <laughs> rendered after that butt whooping. I mean, you have uh, Jordan Losefa. Uh, linebacker for USC, just calling Utah a regular team. You know, they weren't anything special. Stephen Carr says we're better than they are. And and I've already seen on Twitter, There's the, the players have seen those quotes, and they are referencing those quotes. Uh, I think this team has something to prove, even with the success they have. They, they know the goal in sight. Kyle Whittingham says each game is a Super Bowl. So they know you lose once, and you're South title could go by the wayside. So I think I think they're going to stay focused. I think they've got the right mentality. And, uh, yeah, they they need to have that in the back of their minds to say, we've still got a lot to prove to uh, to this conference, to the to to our own, to our own selves, to our own fan base um, and get the job done and, and, and actually win this South title to go have a shot to play for the all the marbles in the Pac-12 championship. So let's kind of talk about this UCLA team. Like I said earlier, they're starting, they had been starting a freshman at quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson. The fourth. He was injured in the second quarter uh, this past week against Arizona and left the game. He is questionable uh, for the Utah game. 
it'll be really interesting to see what they do because I think that kind of changes who they are offensively a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, Spates, we, we, Utah's actually gone up against Spates when he was at Michigan, and he is your prototypical ba- uh, passer, you know, kind of a Jack Tuttle-like, um, you know. So so typically they'll, they'll like to transfer and play with some different programs. So um, Just like Ryan, he likes to transfer to a better offer. Yeah, Ryan got an offer tonight and was out faster than Tuttle, so... By all means, you're gonna see you're gonna see a different game plan depending on who plays quarterback for UCLA. Um, Dorian Thompson, Smith, Rogers, hyphen. He did not he did not practice today, and so that what does that mean anything? I don't know. Obviously, there's still a number of days before the game, but he's definitely much more of a threat um, of, of a dual threat in the, both the running and the passing game. So I would I would love to see Spates. Be the quarterback because he's stuck in that pocket and all he can do is throw. So let's let's unleash that defensive line. Let's let uh, Anai, let's let uh, Tupai off and just let those guys go give go give him some havoc. And I think that plays right into our hands. UCLA's defense. I, I'm not trying to be rude. They're soft. I think that's something that UCLA has kind of been pegged with for several years now. It's just kind of how soft they play, especially on the defensive side. They're giving up 425 yards a game. Yeah, they, I mean, they just they have not looked real good on either side of the ball all, all that uh, consistently so far. Even even in these last two 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 game stretch here. And they are soft. I mean, that's what UCLA is. When was the last time you saw a UCLA team that just came out and hit you? And and dominate a line of scrimmage. I mean, they just don't do that. They have stud athletes. They've got they've got the USC type talent on the field. They just they're just, they don't even reach USC's type of production. On it's the just field. the culture that's there. Yeah, and and and, and Chip, you know, he's going to obviously do his best to change that. But you know, even at Oregon, Chip, you know, that or his his best Oregon teams were not you know known for their physicality. They were extremely good, and they were extremely fast, and they played they played a type of football that a lot of college football had not figured out yet, and uh, and uh, and things have changed a little bit in his time flirting with the NFL and and doing what he's been doing. But um, he'll get that offense going again. I'm I'm just I'm not a believer that he's going to turn UCLA into what Oregon was. So, Scott, as you're looking at this this game and this UCLA team, what's a key do you have uh, for Utah to get a victory? You know, I don't I don't think there's really anything earth shattering here that um, you know Utah really needs to do. It's just continue doing what you've been doing. Obviously, defensively, you know, again going back to who plays quarterback for UCLA, you got to get some pressure and you've got to be able to uh, to get off the field on third downs. I mean, that was something USC was 0 for 10 on third down completions going into the fourth quarter. And that was huge. And if Utah can continue to do that and get UCLA off the field um, and just give give as many opportunities for Utah's offense, um, I think that's going to be the key is just, just allow this offense to continue to do what they've been doing, run the ball down UCLA's throat. And you, and you should be able to do that. UCLA has not does not have a good rush defense. They struggle with the run. They give up. They give up yards left and right. So Utah should be able to run the ball at will. And I, I would. I my key to the game is probably keep Tyler Huntley to about 20, 20 pass attempts. If we do that, I think we win by three plus scores. 
two years ago when Utah went to, uh, to the Rose Bowl and played USC or UCLA. Remember what happened? Joe Williams ran all over that defense. Exactly. He said he said a Rose Bowl record. Um, he, but but that game did not go how anybody expected it to. UCLA was playing with a backup quarterback, and it turned into a shootout. Both defenses forgot how to play football, and it was it was who could who could score last won that game. Hopefully, we don't have some type of that same scenario uh, breakout where uh, um, it turns into a shootout. But with the way this defense is playing, I I, I suspect uh, the Utes will. Uh, I expect them to roll. I really don't think it's going to be all that close. All right, so that's enough UCLA talk for tonight. I can't handle too much Bruins there. You got enough eight clap. Before we get into the Pac-12 and 12, there was a lot of news this past week and weekend with the Utes. They jump into the rankings, 24 in the coaches, 23 in the media. So congratulations to Coach Winningham getting ranked again. Jack Tuttle leaves the program, kind of shocks Ute Nation. Here's a guy that came in, a four-star recruit. Was sold on Utah from the very beginning when big programs were coming after him. He wouldn't even take visits, and now he doesn't even make it through the season, and he's gone. Yeah, definitely strange situation. And I mean, really, your most heralded recruit you've ever signed, and he's gone after six games, is a bit bizarre. And there's a lot of questions out there, and a lot of people wondering why. Um, you know. Obviously, we don't we don't have insider information or details as far as conversations that went on between he coaches, recruiting promises, whether there were promises, there weren't. But at the end of the day, obviously, it's it's a bummer situation because it didn't allow us to bring in any other quarterbacks beyond him, and now we're left without anything in that class. Um, so it really puts some pressure on this class to bring in a uh, um, a certain uh, recruit who was in town this last week that uh, hopefully the Utes can secure. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't want to be here, I don't really want him here. Do you? No, and, and I've always had the position I will never fault a kid for leaving. It's their life. It's their college football career. If they want to go somewhere else... I'll let him go. No oh, yeah. problem with that. I, I I just hope for his sake that he he's made a sound decision, that uh, that he's not going to come to regret, and he doesn't turn into a heaps that transfers four different times. You know, I I hope that you know he can go somewhere and find some success. And if Utah's on the schedule, so be it. We'll we'll uh, we'll show him uh, some uh, some Matt Fink and J T Daniels uh, warm reception. You know, at the end of the day, he needs to do what's best for him. Unfortunately, it's not here. But there's really no point in getting upset about it and, and bashing the kid because, you know, he's doing probably what what he thinks is best and what's going to be the best opportunity for him to play and, and get the experience that he wants. And you just hope that he didn't get some bad information from people that maybe pushed him in this direction and it doesn't snow, snowball into uh, an unfortunate uh, situation. But at the end of the day, you got to move on with those that, those, those that are here. And Kyle Whittingham's famous uh, slogan, either all in or you're in the way. So he was in the way. Time to move on. And, and let's be honest, he, wasn't, he was not winning this job over Tyler Huntley. And I think that's where the argument can be made is, should he have been the backup? Should he have gotten some reps? 
where Jason Shelley has. But Kyle Winningham has never been the type of coach that that coddles a player. I didn't or, say coddle. Or, or that puts them in a position that they're undeserving of. But he's never had a high-profile quarterback coming in, into the program. Dude, you got to handle them are a you on, little bit different. Are you on the Kyle Gunther weekly newsletter? No, 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 no. Don't put. Don't. Don't. Don't paint me into that corner with that. No, I'm not down with that. I'm just saying, with these quarterbacks, sometimes you have to treat them a little differently. Just a little. I'm not saying he should have but started. But that is part of the problem, is these high-profile kids have been played with, with kids' gloves their entire lives. They're coddled. You know, they're handled differently by everybody. And so they expect everything to be given to them. They ex- and they just some of them do not deal well when adversity hits. Being named third string when you go to Utah as the best recruit they've ever signed, that's adversity. Sometimes you just got to nut it up and play through it and go earn and show that, hey, they made a mistake and I'm going to show them they made a mistake. I completely agree with you. You got to earn it. Well, what did we hear all through camp? It was 2A and 2B between the two. The only reason why Jason Shelley was really 2A was because they wanted to preserve their red shirt for Tuttle. So if that's all it is, is the only separation for playing time is a red shirt But we don't know that. You, You don't really know that. That's speculation. We don't know if that's the reason. But all we can go with what he tells us at practice. All we can go is what he tells the media at practice. Sure, but kudos to Jason Shelley. Nobody gave that kid a shot. Everybody was writing him off. He should switch to wide receiver. He needs to transfer. He stayed with the program. He stayed with his commitment. And he said, I'm going to earn this job. And he did. So, So as far as I'm concerned, kudos to him. He earned the job. He outshined Tuttle. And all of those stars, if that's the way it went down... I can't argue that point. Shelley has stepped up. He has he had a great spring practice, a great fall practice. And honestly, he took huge steps from what we saw him in camp last year after his redshirt year. Not taking anything away from Shelley. But when you have a four-star quarterback come in, when you have that high, highly recruited player, you got to find ways to get them into the game, to get them part of the team. Okay, but here's the other side of it. You can't get him in because he, he's not a wildcat. You know, you can't use him in just a moment or two. And the way that Utah started positioning and moving their identity offensively was not the strengths of Tuttle. You're, you're not going to get Tuttle out there running. He's a pocket passer, and maybe he saw, look, they're going this direction. This is the type of the recruits they're bringing in. You know, maybe I don't have much of a shot here, and if that's, that probably played into his decision to an extent. And at the end of the day, we don't know. Even if he was the second stringer, is that good enough to keep him here? The guy wanted to play. He wanted to be QB1, and I don't even know if being the backup would have been enough to keep him here. So... You make some valid points, and and again, don't paint me in the corner as Gunther, please, because uh, honestly, from things that w- that are out there, uh, we don't know how true they are. But if w- like what you said, if a guy doesn't want to be here, Winningham just wants him to leave the program and not affect the rest of the locker room. Yeah. So and if and- if that's what it came down to, like kudos to Kyle for having that mantra and not letting people 
dictate how his program will run. Exactly. And and kudos to Kyle for saying, look, nobody's bigger than the program. Yes, you're a stud, and we worked extremely hard to get you, but if you're not going to be all in, you're hurting this team. And and like I said, we wish him no ill will, and and I hope I hope he finds a, a good opportunity somewhere, and he can fulfill all of his dreams and and uh, and get the opportunity that he's looking for. But at the end of the day, we're going to move on, and and hopefully we've got a, a, a nice little commitment coming up here shortly to make us forget all about that news. And hopefully we get a commitment from Ryan pretty soon because he pulls a title on us this week. All right, so let's hit our Pack 12 and 12, and that's brought to you by Doubletree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City downtown. They're located at 110 West, 600 South, and you can call them at 801-359-7800. So some crazy stuff's going on with the Pack 12 We talked about how the whole drama with Woody Dixon and the officiating, that that got put to rest. Well, it came back this week with Mike Leach. And before we get into the games, I really want to bring it up. Because honestly, Mike Leach is entertaining. This past week, Yahoo Sports was able to attain text messages sent from Leach to the Pac-12 as way of uh, public records. And let me just kind of read you a couple of these texts. This is Leach in a text to the Pac-12 head of officials, David Coleman, wrote on September 25th about the targeting no-call against USC. Woody, and this is a quote from Leach, Woody is a total coward and is afraid of USC. I look forward to telling him in person. In a text to Dixon and Pac-12 commissioner Larry Scott, Leach says, Don't ever waste my time making me sit through some sanctimonious speech or demonstration on player safety for targeting if you're going to continue to alibi what happened last Friday. Leach also sent a message to Scott, the Pac-12 cannot say with any credibility that they are actually trying to protect student-athletes. The gloves were off. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of a smart move by Leach. You know, he's not uh, in a press conference putting this information out there, uh, um, but, uh, you know, he knows that this, these types of things can be brought to light through, uh, requests. Well, and, the best uh, part is, right, it, there's a little rumor that Leach told the Yahoo Sports to request an open record exactly. for his cell phone on this date. Yeah, I mean, it's a smart move and he gets his message out there, which he's obviously wanting to get out there. Um, you know, Leach does need to be a little bit careful. Those referees are the ones that gave him a victory over us. Um, he, he got handed some pretty nice, uh, benefits from, uh, from that Pac-12 officiating crew to, to get that win. So at the end of the day though, you know, some fire needs to be put on, on the Pac-12 because everybody else is just being politically correct and, you know, just going as business as usual. So there needs to be somebody that lights a fire and hopefully uh, sparks some change because, um, it's ridiculous. There is no credibility amongst, uh, the Pac-12 and the officiating crew and, you know, it's a stain on the on the conference in general. There's this, you know, we we're looked at as just kind of a laughing stock for how things are handled. Waking up this past week and seeing that on 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 Twitter, what Leach has done, phenomenal. Thank Le- you, Coach Leach. Leach had a good week. I mean, they got uh, they got game day for the first time up to the Palouse, and uh, that fan base showed out. That was uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, just kind of how excited they were and. 
they took that momentum and and laid it on uh, a good Oregon team. So, you know, they're uh, they're uh, they're looking like they may be the uh, the team to beat in the north. And let's hurry and talk about that game, Scott. So Washington State beats Oregon 34 to 20. They were up 27 nothing at halftime. Uh, over the Ducks. Oregon was able to put 17 points in the third, so I kind of regroup. But like what you said, game day was there. Uh, I watched it on ESPN. It was a great atmosphere. Their fans really came out for it. It carried on to the game, all that emotion, and Washington State just stuck it to the Ducks. Uh, the next game we have is Stanford beat ASU 20-13. to Bryce Love, man, he just, I don't know what's going on with him. Non-existent. Didn't play at all in the second half. I had 21 yards on 11 carries in the first half. Stanford's in trouble if Love can't get going down the down the last stretch. And, and really, it could just come down to Washington and Washington State for the Pac-12 North. It's looking that way. I, I just, I'm just not sold on Stanford being the team that really comes out of that division. You know, Oregon still has a shot in that as well, but, uh, you know, Washington State and Washington look like the favorites uh, to win that. And, you know, Washington, uh, they, they took care of business, did not look all that pretty against uh, Colorado, but uh, did us a favor by handing Colorado its second straight conference loss. Um, evening us up, and, and they've still got to play Washington State. They've still got some else coming their way. So it uh, things are starting to go in Utah's favor uh, for this division here. Uh, in that game you referenced, Washington uh, beats Colorado 27-13. to Cal comes away with a dominating win over Oregon State, 49-7. to I kind of forgot both those teams are even in the, in the conference still. <laughs> you got to feel bad for, for Beaver Nation. That team, man, they got a long way to go. And you know what? Cal's not all that much further ahead of them. So, um, but to beat them forty nine to seven, forty nine to seven is now pretty. And, and Oregon State actually has had a pretty decent offense uh, through the first half of the season, but uh, only putting up seven against uh, against a kind of a bad Cal team. That's that's not uh, that's not impressive at all. And then the last game of the night, UCLA gets a one-point win, 31-30 to over Arizona Wildcats. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Thompson Robinson, the quarterback for USA, was knocked out of the game. Will and Spate came in and, and finished the game. Uh, he finished 17-27 for 204 yards. Defenses didn't really play extremely well at all uh, in this game. Rhett Rodriguez uh, ended up playing for Arizona. We saw him at Utah uh, week prior he's 15 of 34 kind of an ugly game but ucla does get their second victory uh, and their second victory in pac 12 play 31 to 30 over arizona all right so last week on our picks scott you led the way you went five and one and ryan and i both went four and two so on the season scott you're in the lead 23 and 11 i'm 21 and 13 and ryan's still under 500 at 16 and 18 wah 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 what will happen first? Ryan breaks five hundred, or Jack Tuttle gets a starting job at a Division One. My money's on Tuttle. All right, so the first game we're looking at: Oregon State traveling to Colorado. Colorado is a twenty-four point favorite right now over the Beavers. It's my week to go first. Colorado has lost two in a row. They're at home. I think they regroup, and, and Oregon State just isn't that good. You just can't go with the Beavers. So I'm going to go with the Buffaloes in this one. 
And we do have Ryan's picks, and he's actually going with Oregon State. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Ryan's got Colorado as well. Scott, what are you doing? You know, I think uh, nothing uh, ails a two-game losing streak like uh, having Oregon State come to town. So that uh, that should be about as as a lock as you're going to get, Colorado. Arizona State Sun Devils are traveling to L.A. to take on the USC Trojans, a team we just saw here in Salt Lake. USC is a four-point favorite. JT Daniels did have a concussion against Utah. They were looking like they were going to have to go with their third-string quarterback, Jack Sears, who was a Utah recruit some time ago. But, Scott, you have some news on JT Daniels. Yeah, well, word was he cleared uh, concussion protocol, um, so he and his stash will be ready to go. Uh, I would I would suspect that he plays. He starts uh, come Saturday. I'm going to go with the Sun Devils on this one. I think USC kind of has still a hangover of losing to Utah, and I think the Sun Devils get it. Yeah, I uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, is this is did we just upset USC that they just come out and put a put a licking on Arizona State or? Or did we put them kind of into a lull that uh, the, we may we may uh, be able to hand them two losses off that one game? So I'm, I'm going to go with Arizona State on this. Um, I think uh, they're desperate for a win, and I think USC is not in the best uh, situation at the moment. So I'm going to go with the Dirty Devils. And Ryan's going to go with Herm Edwards and the Sun Devils as well. Next game, Washington traveling to Cal. Washington's a 10.5-point favorite. That's actually a little bit closer in the spread than I was anticipating for this game. Washington, though, I don't know. I'm not sold that they're the best team in the North right now, but I, I still think they beat Cal, so I got the Huskies. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a woof-woof on this and uh, go with uh, UW. And Ryan goes with UW as well. The next game, Washington State is playing really well right now. Is traveling to Stanford. Stanford's a three-point favorite. I'm going to go with Leach and the Cougars in this one. They're rolling. They got things going well. Stanford is kind of trending down the last couple weeks. Well, you don't know what you're going to get with Bryce Love, so I'm going to go with the Cougars over the trees. I'm going to take a flyer on this one. I'm going to go with uh, Stanford. I think uh, Washington State's uh, little run may come to an end here. And uh, Stanford, you know, Stanford gives those guys a tough time. And... uh, whether or not it's going to be tough enough, I don't know, but I'm going to go with Stanford. And Ryan will go with the Cougars, like me as well. And then the last game we're picking of the Pac-12 games, Oregon at Arizona. Oregon's a nine-point favorite. I don't think this one is is too hard to pick. I'm going to go with the Ducks. Yeah, I'd go with my mom at Arizona. Um, so I think Oregon's winning that one. And it looks like Ryan's going with Oregon as well. And now for the Utah-UCLA game. Utah traveling to Pasadena for a Friday night game. When this line opened up, Utah was a 10.5 point favorite over UCLA. Utah's rolling. They should come out on fire. It is a short week. They are having to travel. I hate those combinations. But... They always say the bye week comes at a great time. I think the short week comes at a great time for Utah because they're clicking. I want them back on the field as soon as possible. So I'm going with Utah. I think Utah wins 40-13. to Going to go for four straight weeks in the 40s for that Utah offense, huh? 
Yeah, I don't. I don't see. I don't see this being a, a real close game. Obviously, Utah can show a lot if they can come out and just do it. What we're all expecting of them to do. Um, that'll go a long ways, and I, I think they do it. I, I'm going to go with you, Cam. I think. I think the Utes put uh, 40 plus up on the board. I'm going to go with 40, 42, uh, 17 for the Utes. And it looks like Ryan's going with the Utes as well. He has them 45 to 17. So we're all picking Utah Field goal over difference. the spread. Field goal difference. Matt Gay, be good to me. All right, so you can follow Ryan at Twitter at Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. I hope I did that justice. Scott, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always find us at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And we're on every podcatcher you can imagine itunes stitcher google play anywhere you listen to a podcast we are there so go ahead and subscribe and hopefully utah gets a big win over the bruins and takes a big step closer to winning the back 12 south and go utes go utes we'll be till i die we're good let's cut it the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Oh, how was the jazz game? I hope it was worth it to see him lose. They played so bad. That's because they knew you were there. <laughs> you guys still over there? Yeah, we just finished up. Yeah. How'd it go? Oh, you're on it right now. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you tell us. This interview is going as well as Jack Tuttle's recruitment. <laughs> so, Ryan, we actually had a, a serious question for you. Yeah. Now we know, Scott and I know how Kyle Winningham feels when Jack Tuttle left after tonight. Oh, please. <laughs> You, we promised. We had to promise you we wouldn't recruit another host if you would come and be on the podcast. And now you just leave us. <laughs> we, I left you for one episode. That's probably the first episode I've ever missed. We, we promised that we would not bring on any other walk-on host. And now you just let us down. <laughs> it says, "It says Utah football has been amazing lately. What do I do with this last longer than four hours?" And Kyle responds and says, "Well, I would suggest seeing your doctor if the condition persists." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs>